We are back and we are better than ever. The CBB Central podcast rolls on through the month of October, through conference preview season. And Brad, man, it is, it is feeling like fall. It is feeling like college basketball season. There is a chill in the air. I was uh, frigid outside this, this afternoon, this evening, picking up my Chipotle. Um, I was at a media day this week, Big Ten media days of Minneapolis, an extremely well-run event as always. I got to catch up with Commissioner Kevin Warren and have a great sit down with him and also obviously all the coaches and players and some of the great personalities and people in this sport, whether it's Izzo or Juwan Howard. Um, Brad Underwood is a very interesting guy to listen to. Um, some of the players as well, certainly characters, although I did enjoy the very dry nature of Zach Eady. Uh, that, 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 that was, that was worth uh, checking out as well. But uh, media day, Hunter uh, Dickinson said he uh, wanted to play with Terrence Shannon. What do you think Joey Baker was thinking hearing that? Well, it was funny because there was a reporter who was basically asking every group of every group of players the same questions, like who would you most want to play with from another Big Ten team? Who would you, um, you know, who who is the hardest guy to guard in the league? Who's not on your team? Yada yada. Um, and most people were saying like, oh, like hardest guy to guard Zach Eady. Um, some people, some people were like, when people would ask like, oh yeah, like what do you think of like which like which player would you want? A lot of them would be like, oh, like I'm I'm happy with my guys. Um, a couple of them said like Caleb McConnell because they wanted like the defensive stopper, uh, and then Hunter just like with a grin on his face immediately was just like Terrence Shannon. <laughs> it was so so funny. But I mean, the season's here. Um, the, you know, I, I'm ready to like fire up uh, BovadaSportsbooks.com and play some uh play some futures. I already have placed some. Um. And, and possibly we'll play some on some of these teams that we were talking about today, right on the SEC preview podcast. Um, and it is hard because things have, things do change. You know, there've been guys coming in and out. Dior Johnson got arrested, um, puts his status in jeopardy of pit. Not that anyone was placing a national title future for the pit, pit Panthers. Uh, Monty Bates is back. Fire Monty up that Bates future for Eastern Michigan. Yes. Huge, huge, huge for the, uh, I don't even remember their mascot. What's, what's the Eastern Michigan mascot? Some sort of Eagle, right? It's gotta be, yeah. Let's, let's, let's call it that. I can picture the logo in my head, but uh, EMU gets him back. Isaiah Stevens goes down for Colorado State with a broken foot. Uh, there was an injury uh, at UConn with Andre Jackson that could mit- cause him to miss the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, Kim Whitmore. Kim Whitmore injured another guy whose timeline seems kind of unclear, but seems like it won't be too long term. Um, obviously, there was the Fardaws injury a few weeks ago. Jalen Ganey's out for the year. Jalen Ganey out for the year at Florida State. Jay Nakins is still um, recovering. Sounds like he will be ready for the start of the season. Uh, it sounds like they, he said, they said like two week, a week or two before he get back to practice. Um, so certainly lots of movement. Um, hopefully we can get everyone across the finish line and healthy because there's nothing worse than hyping up for the season and losing a, a star. And some of these guys are, are really key contributors. I mean, a, a guy like Whitmore, uh, obviously, um, you know, we mentioned – uh, Stevens and his impact. So um, those are those are damper, but excited to get into it. And, and Brad, we've got a very uh, important, very interesting conference uh, in, in the SEC to get into today. Um, and in the SEC, we as we do always, we start with the team that came in first place in the league, and we work our way down. Um, that means we will start with Auburn. Uh, and Auburn went 28 and 6, 15 and 3 in the league, win the conference title. I mean, by all, you know, for, by, by every count, a banner year for 
the program under Bruce Pearl produced two first round picks and Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. But you started to see some of the chinks in the armor down the stretch with their ability, inability to play away from home. Uh, kind of faded in February and March. I think they were kind of the January uh, national champion, if you will. Uh, if, if, if the title game was played on February 1st instead of April 1st, they probably kept on the nets. But unfortunately, that's not the way it works. They go down in the second round of Miami and spoil an otherwise incredibly promising season. Certainly a new look roster incoming uh, for this season with the Tigers. Not short on talent, we should note. Um, but they'll rely on their experienced backcourt with guys like Wendell Green, Zepp Jasper, Katie Johnson, uh, and then two new guys up front, Anjan Ibroom, transferred from Moorhead State after a high-stakes recruitment, and Johan Treor, who was committed to LSU, five-star recruit, um, skilled big who can play the four or the five. So um, I think when you look at this team, Brad, the question I have is how consistent will Wendell Green and Katie Johnson ever be, right? Because you could live with all the ups and downs when you had Jabari Smith and you had Walker Kessler. And as good as I think Broom and Treyarch can be, they are not Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. And with that, that means you need more from Wendell Green. You need more from Katie Johnson than the ups and the downs that you got a season ago. Right. The thing with, with you know, a lot of these Auburn transfers from last year, because, you know, they – they all kind of exceeded expectations. You know, Wendell Green was a good recruit, a good solid high major recruit. Goes to Eastern Kentucky, has a good year. Now, now he's at Auburn. You know, we, we didn't have we didn't have a ton of expectations for him. We didn't have a ton of expectations for Zeb Jasper. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sure I remember exactly, but I I thought Walker Kessler would be a nice starter. I certainly did not expect him to be one of the best defensive players in the country, maybe the best defensive player in the country, and be a two-and-done first-round pick. Um, so all that success, um, it was really a a double-edged sword. You know, you had the whole thing with, like, Gary Parrish was saying that when when Auburn wasn't ranked first because of the, of the Ken Palm shenanigans uh, with Jesse Newell and Gary Parrish, like, this is a... Tr- travesty because Bruce Pearl writes on the wall like make history and like they really wanted to be number one so we should have voted for them um turns out that the uh the analytic people were were right Auburn was never the best team in the country really um despite having that great NBA frontcourt and frontcourt's a strength again this year definitely a step back as you said but for for a a four-man frontcourt uh Broom and Treyor giving you the shot blocking with Broom, the skill with Treyor. Dylan Cardwell is one of the best unsung defensive players in the country. He he would be a great starter on many teams. Elite backup center, elite backup center. Like the team right up, well, the team right below and above me on my depth charts could both use Dylan Cardwell. Penn State and Minnesota. Imagine both those teams with him man in the middle. Um, and then Jalen Williams, who's been around forever, has shown a lot of skill as that face-up four-man. Um, so that front court's great. Hopefully you get more from Alan Flanagan, you know, coming back from the Achilles injury last year, didn't seem to be hundred percent. He's back at practice now. I saw yesterday. Um, and really the, the X factors, this, this backcourt, which started off so hot last year, but the decision-making was just crazy. The decision-making plagued them down the stretch. And I don't really see why the decision-making would be better this year. They're going to have more responsibility, but also more experience. So we'll see where that takes us. 
Yeah, I, I think the thing with, with KD and with Wendell Green, are they're both gunslingers, right? Like, what makes them good, there, there are certain guys like this. Like, the, what makes them good is their ability to put up shots. And you can't try to harness them too much and tell them you have to play in the constructs of this offense, you have to you know, make good decisions. Obviously, you, you have to, at some point, tell Wendell Green that he can't shoot a 30-foot jump shot to win the game when you have Jabari Smith. Right, like at some point that that had to happen, and at times it didn't, and that's one of the reasons why Auburn didn't close some of the games that they had opportunities to win uh, late in the season. But look, I mean, at the end of the day, you need those guys to play with freedom. You need those guys to play with unlimited confidence because that's one of their greatest skill sets. And I think again, for me, it's just, or like, do you profile Johan Traor as an All SEC type of guy? No. I think he could be. Yeah, he could be, but I, I mean, I I can go through my top 100 players and tally up the SEC guys. I should have done that before the show, but I I think in terms of likelihood, you'd say probably Broom or, or, or Flanagan would be more likely, and then Katie Johnson could have the the statistical case. Yeah. Um. But then there's also the scenario where where Retriever comes in, he starts right away and puts up one and done type numbers. Uh, one of the the really interesting things about their whole conundrum last year is they they really could have used just one of Wendell Green and Katie Johnson, but they had both and they're playing them together. The two two of those gunslingers, as as you put it, and then to compound that, their two best players, Kessler and Smith, were not people who could create their own shot very well. So yeah. you're clamoring, get it to Jabari, get it to Jabari. But Jabari can't really dribble yet. He can't really cr- create good shots. He can rise over the top and take a contested jumper. Um, but he, he's not James Harden, you know, who can, who can break you down off the dribble and get to the free throw line. And so even though Katie Johnson and Wendell Green were probably like the fourth or fifth best, fourth or fifth best players, they may have been best equipped for taking that last shot. I think that's a good point. Um, where do you have Auburn naturally? Because like, I think I think where I come down on them is they, they just kind of strike me as like a true second-tier team, right? Like, I could not get there with top 10 to 15 bucks. I know you've talked a lot about how you, you have, what, your top 13 that you think are, are big cutoff or top 12. Like, I can't get there. But I think they, they, they do fit pretty strongly in that next group, right, with teams like Florida, teams like Michigan. Um, those are a couple that are near them on my uh, Xavier that have question marks, but are you know still very talented, still have an excellent coach, obviously Bruce Pearl, who's you know done done wonders for this program. I, I just think like I'm 23rd nationally. I think that feels like the safe place to put them. Yeah, I have I have 27th nationally. I I have about 28 teams that I, I would say are like top 25 caliber teams. So so yeah, I think they're right there with. San Diego State, Xavier, Texas Tech, Florida, Dayton. Um, but I think I like some of those teams more. Trust trust their guard play more. Um, you know, just like a direct comparison to, like, Florida or something. I mean, I, I think Castleton would be the best player on either team. I, I, I like Florida's backcourt more with Kyle Lofton. It seems like people are really into Will Richards. So um, we'll get to Florida later. But, yeah, I, I have – I have Auburn 27th, actually. 
All right. Well, that brings us to our next team on the list, which is the Kentucky Wildcats. They go 14 and four in the league, 26 and eight. Things are going great. They were, you know, the national title favorites at one point after blowing past Kansas. They looked at it, everything was perfect, and then they ran into the St. Peter's Peacocks. We got an all-time March moment. Good news. Point guard and center back, Sabir Wheeler and Oscar Shibway. In Shibway's case, the uh, number you know, national player of the year. That's the first time since Tyler Hansborough, the national player of the year, does come back, which is, I think, a big deal, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I shouldn't have to say I think it is a big deal. I mean, it's, it's great for the sport. It's great to have a guy like Oscar. He's an awesome kind of ambassador for uh, the sport of college basketball. Um, great kid, really easy to root for, and dominant. And, and I think that's really exciting. We should mention there is an injury there. He will be ready for the start of the season, it sounds like, but he did have his knee scoped. Um, Isn't the adage that there's no such thing as a minor knee minor knee surgery or, yeah, or any surgery? But. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but you know, for a Kentucky team, this team has a lot of experience in terms of its two main pieces being back again. It's really the two through four where you have the questions, or not necessarily questions as much as the the holes to fill. Uh, I like Kassan Wallace quite a bit. Um, he's a really talented combo guard who I think will help this offense fill in, I think, a different role than what Ty Ty Washington brought to the table. But I think what you're looking for, right, is something, you know, somewhat similar in terms of his impact uh, right away as a, a legit two-guard for this team next to Severe Wheeler who can help them push the pace, who can help with the spacing. And they got options. I mean, Jacob Toppin um, played well for them over uh, in, in the Bahamas this summer. He's a you know, big-time athlete, right? I mean, the NBA level athlete, um, difference maker there. Um, we're going to transfer Antonio Reeves. He and uh, CJ Frederick will help shoot the ball. We've got an X Factor and Damian Collins, the 99.9 percentile athlete. Um, and then Chris Livingston, another really highly rated freshman. So um, the pieces are all here, right? I mean, I, I think it, it, it is not a stretch to say that this roster is among the five best in the country. There's a reason that they're, you know, plus 900 at Bovada to win the national championship. Um, they have the experience. They have the pieces. How do you think it all fits together? I think it fits really well on paper. It's going it's gonna, to, I mean, the swing piece there, right, is, is Reeves because they need three-point shooting. They're not getting it from Oscar. Wheeler's not a great shooter. Wallace is a freshman if memory serves, he doesn't profile as like a a, a great three-point shooter. Um, and, and then Toppin seems to have made some gains, but, but we'll see. Um, so they they really need Reeves, and to a lesser extent, Frederick, who I assume will just be Reeves' backup. I mean, Fred, uh, Frederick, I mean Frederick was a, like a high-major starter. He was, yeah. He, he was good. He doesn't – I don't think he has quite as much game as Kellen Grady did, but like – you could probably just play him like they did Kellen Grady, and you wouldn't really feel that much of a drop-off. Do you envision any Wheeler, Frederick, and Reeves lineups together? You could do that. I mean, I think Wallace is going to force everyone's hand. I think you're going to have to play Wallace. I think he's that good. Yeah, in terms of the comparison to Ty Ty, right, he's like almost the opposite, where Ty Ty profiled as this combo guard who could really make shots if you really right, create. A lead shooter, but like a mid-athlete, yeah. And Casey Wallace is like an incredible defender and not a great shooter, but someone who can get get to the rack. I mean, that's 
that's that's my understanding. If, if I'm wrong, please correct me. Um, and then Damian Collins is someone who's he, he's someone who is going to be really exciting to watch because you know great athlete showed a little flash of skill with the jumper and a little game off the bounce overseas or over the Bahamas over the summer. Um, but he, he's over very a thin. body of water. It was a body of water they had to get over to. That is true. Um, do you do you think we see Collins at the five when a sheep she boys out? You think you see Toppin and Collins man the front court together? Think you can go big at times and play Toppin at the three with Collins at the four? We shouldn't How- write off Lance Ware. I mean, Lance Ware is a good player. Another guy that like probably start. I mean, he was he was a great recruit. He was always known to be a great athlete, um, but it seems like he's just hasn't developed a ton of skill, right? I mean, I don't think he's substantially worse or better than Dylan Cardwell. I think you're probably right. Right? Like, I mean, yeah. again, you, you just said Penn State and Minnesota, like, they could use him, right? Like, Penn State should be, would, would be sprinting to the portal if plants were again. Absolutely. Anyway, anyhow, anyhow, I don't think it's that important. I, I do think the one thing that's interesting with Collins is, like, Kentucky didn't really force feet a minutes last year. Especially once conference play starts. I mean, he was really not in the game. And we've talked in the past about how Calipari uh, – I mean, Roy Williams is truly known for this with, you know, guys like Isaiah Hicks. But I think Calipari is, as well has done this where, like, if he's got these guys, they have to play so they don't leave. Right? Like they're, they're, you, you, don't, you don't traditionally see a freshman get as little run as Damian Collins did. Uh, and so I think that's that's worth noting. But I, I do think he's going to play. I think they, they value him. Um, well, otherwise, he wouldn't be here, right? Like, he, he's bought into a certain extent. So, so to me, like, I, I don't know what the question marks here are, really, right? Like, I think it's built to win. It hasn't won in March under Cal lately. Um, and I think the other thing, right, at the end of the day, um, you know, can you truly get over the, over the top and be a championship level team with a point guard who can't shoot? I mean, I guess you could say Kansas did last year with Dewan Harris. I mean, Kansas had two elite NBA wings. And Case and Wallace should be a first rounder, and we'll see. We'll see where Top and these guys end up. But I think certainly at the college level, with Shibway and, and Wheeler, I mean, this is a super talented team. Yeah, great athletes yeah. have shot making. We we didn't mention Chris Livingston too. Um, Big body, three four. Yep. Yeah. Whenever I watched him, I wasn't super uh, super well, impressed. I, but yeah, I, mean, I wasn't enthralled. Seen. Seemed a little Wayne Seldon-y in the sense that like he was huge but was like settling for jumpers. At least in my viewings of him. But, but yeah, I mean, I, Kentucky had such a great year last year. Right. Well, it's regular one of those season. Things, right. It's one of those things that's so tricky because on one hand, like we can't 
you don't you don't want to overreact to March, right? Like you don't want to just say, okay, like Kentucky Kentucky's season was invalidated by. It was definitely a very bad loss, but you need the regular season success to keep getting those at bats to make right. it right. It's right. so much but, easier to make your run as a two seed than as an eight seed. Right. The question is, is there anything we can learn from St. Peter's to tell you about this team? And I, I don't necessarily, other than if you want to say like the game plan for St. Peter's was let Oscar get his. And I think he had like a 20 and 20 type of game. Um, I have a box score somewhere. Um, but will, will that game plan continue to, will that work for teams in March? Is just let Oscar cook and hope for a shooting variant. I think that's probably still the recipe, right? But a lot of people tried that. I mean, Arkansas did that and um, played that really competitive game of Bud Walton with them. Um, it's, it's not easy. I mean, Oscar is as dominant a force there is that I can remember in college basketball. So. That's all I have in Kentucky. I'm fourth nationally. I feel really good about him. I have them. I, uh, I'm third. Fair enough. So. So One which seed. are the top three? Houston, it's Houston, right? That you don't have in the top three? Yeah, I have UNC, Gonzaga, and Kentucky is my top three. All right. On, to, on Tennessee, another team with a similar t- story of March woes. This team was firing on all cylinders um, coming into the NCAA tournament. They had won the SEC tournament, beaten Kentucky while there. They had won four, four straight in the regular season and nine of ten before um, heading into that conference tournament. So they had won 13 of 14 uh, heading into, or excuse me, 12 of 13 heading into the NCAA tournament. They beat Longwood and then get stunned by Michigan. Kennedy Chandler gone. John Fulkerson in the middle gone. Brandon Hundley, Hundley Hatfield and Victor Bailey, a couple other contributors, also departing Justin Powell as well. But I do think this team, again, kind of fits the mold of what you see with Tennessee, which is they're really athletic, they're really physical. They're really going to guard you. They've got a small guard in Zakai Ziegler. And the, the newcomers, I think in particular Tyreke and Julian Phillips, give this team the upside on the wing, I think, necessary to compete for an SEC championship, be in the mix nationally, um, among the best. I think Viscovi is one of the most underrated players in the sport. First team All-SEC last year. I don't think anyone kind of realized that. Um, and then obviously jo- Josiah James, a guy that was really criticized early in his career um, for his inability to really impact the game offensively as a guard. They've moved him into that hybrid forward role, and he's been really dangerous. We've started to make shots. That's been big for him. He's a good shooter now. Um, but, but him and Vescovi are two of my favorite players in the country. And then one an also overlooked piece, Brad, before I let you chat on the balls, Olivier Kamu. I mean, this was a guy who was a starter, a really key contributor for Tennessee. It was something that when I talked to their staff last year in March, like they were like, why does no one talk about the fact that we lost a starter, a, 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 a bona fide, really nice piece midseason? He's a guy that I think will contribute again, potentially play the four with them. We also have five stitch. They could play four or five with him. They could also play smaller with Kamu with the five. So a lot of options with this group physically. Very impressive team. Obviously, Rick Barnes, tremendous, accomplished coach. The March success just hasn't come, and I, I don't know if this that changes this year because I don't know why it didn't come last year. You know, this is variance, but I, right. I I I have a ton of Tennessee thoughts. We'll start one. 
you really hit the nail on the head with Discovery being so underrated. When I was doing a, a top 100 players and I was looking through, you know, coming up with with di- you know different guys, Discovery was one I was like, yeah, yeah, I think he is. And then I looked at the stats and it's like, oh, geez, he put up he put up real numbers last year. So and he's, he's a monster what? defender. He's a monster. Yeah. Where I where I put him as like a, a, a top like 50 player nationally uh, for, for this upcoming year, and 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 that could be a little low. Then um, you know, a lot a lot of talk this week has been about Creighton's defense and how you know they're going to take a step back because you know X X Y and Z, which I disagree with. But if you're looking for teams that are definitely definitely going to be better defensively, you know. If if you're saying Creighton at, at 19 is going to move down, you know, oh, well, well, who are some of the teams that are definitely ahead of Creighton? Tennessee's defense has the chance to be like really elite, um, especially if they play bigger and they play, you know, a guy like Plavsic, you know, this kind of big bulky five with Nakawa at the four, and then you have Josiah James on the wing. You mentioned Viscovi's a great defender. Some of these guys off the bench, um, especially guys who didn't play a ton last year, like. Jonas Adu and Jemai Meshack also profile as really good defenders. Meshack's a beast defensively, yeah. Yeah, so the, this, this roster up and down is just filled with things like athletic, physical, rangy defenders. Now, if, what do you think about the point guard spot? Here's here here's what I was going to do because I was going to say I even though Creighton's offense was sub 100 last year, I'm I'm pretty confident Creighton will will, will have a better offense in Tennessee this year. Um, I agree. I think the the reason why I think I'm more down on Tennessee than most people are, and I, I didn't realize that coming in, uh, but it seems like most people have Tennessee top 10 or like right right outside the top 10. I I, I have them 22. Mentioned the, the offense, I'm not sure it's going to be great, especially um, some of the lineups that would give them better defense. I think they're really sacrificing some offense. You know, playing the two bigs, playing James at the three. And then I think a lot of people see Zakai Ziegler as like a star. I, I never got that impression. I, I, I thought he was just like a good, solid rotation player. That that was always my my vibe off him. Um, so I, I I didn't profile him as you know t- taking a huge jump this year. So I, I think that's that's the main disconnect as to why I have Tennessee twenty second versus say twelfth. Um, and then it seems like some people really like Tyreek Key, but that seems to be a lesser one. I think the biggest variable is how, how you view Ziegler as a, starting, a, a potential starting point guard. So I do think, I don't know that I see Ziegler as a superstar, but I do think there's a lot of Chris Chioza there. And Chris Chioza became a really good point guard in this league for a long time. NBA player. Yeah. So I think that's the type of jump that they need for this this offense to be better. And I, I do think Tyreek Tyree Key will be really, really positive for them as well. He's a guy I watched him a good amount of doubt. Really good body, can really, really score, wired to do it, um, played on the ball, played off the ball. I think that guy will help them, and they're going to need it. I think you know, you don't, you, it's always hard when, like, okay, the best scorer on the floor is, like, maybe the fifth or sixth best player on the team. But I do think that they're, they're going to need some of that from, from Tyreek. Tyree T for, for the team to really reach the ceiling. But I have them, what? Where do I have them? I have, I have them 11th nationally. I think they're third in preseason team. Yeah, because that 
that defense profiles to be really, really good. And you know, may, maybe overall, maybe we aren't talking about defense enough. You know, maybe maybe we we focus on on the wrong side of the ball too often. But um, let me just—I wanted to see where Bovada had them nationally because obviously, again, the, the national championship, I mean, the March success for Rick Barnes has been an issue. Um, but like, thirty-five to one nationally in the same tier as like Indiana and Texas Tech. Give me that. I would bet that. I, I think I like Indiana a little more than Tennessee, but not not a ton. As a title team, yeah, well, I think. The, well, the in general, I mean, I don't, I don't really think of teams like, oh, this team's worse than that team, but you know, Team X is worse than Team Y, but Team X has a better chance to win it all. I don't really think of teams like that. I, I don't even think I could think of one one example that I thought like that. But. I think, I mean, I think of high, I think of upside though, right? Like, like TCU, for instance, I could never see winning a national championship, but like, I feel pretty good that they'll be solid. Um, they might be, you know, they might be better than like a Texas Tech, but Texas Tech, I think has a better chance of winning a national title, you know? Or like Michigan, like I think, like Michigan has a better chance of winning a national title than TCU, but I'm going to have TCU ahead of them in the rankings. I guess for, for my rankings, I really baked that in already. Fair enough. But All right. Where did you say you had them nationally? 22. And where in the SEC? Uh, fifth. Okay, I'm third. So you're, you're a little down on the balls. A little down on the balls. I, I didn't even realize that until, until the preseason top 25 started flowing. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, next up, we have Arkansas, 13-5 and five in the league last year. Another Elite Eight, beat Gonzaga, lost to Duke. Once again, the roster turns over, right? Note, Mude, Likes, Jalen Williams, uh, Audis Tony, all these guys go on. Trey Wade, I mean, you name it. But the Burger Boys are coming. Uh, Nick Smith, Anthony Black, Jordan Walsh, all All-American, all McDonald's All-American. And then, for good measure, why not hit the portal? Ricky Council starting caliber wing of Wichita State. He will contribute Trayvon Brazil. A lot of excitement about this kid, the sophomore, Trish from Missouri, super athletic. Another guy that you would call kind of like a 99.9% athlete, uh, percentile athlete. Um, probably probably worth noting like that his, his numbers were pretty gaudy in Spain, but the competition level didn't look overly high, and it was all at the rim. Um, and you do wonder how that translates other than kind of being a dunker. I think he's one of those guys that's, He's a super athlete, can dunk everything, and also has like a hint of being able to stretch the floor, which makes people very excited. They've also got three um, good options, I think, uh, at the center position, if they want more of a true look with Mikel Mitchell, Makai Mitchell, and Trayvon, or excuse me, and Jalen Graham. Um, Jalen Graham from Arizona State, the Mitchell twins from URI by way of Maryland. Um, so, so the piece is certainly there. They've got uh, Debo Davis back. He should contribute. Nick Smith, though, I mean, is the centerpiece here. And Nick Smith, quite frankly, Brad, probably is probably is the best NBA prospect in college basketball this year. And he has to be the centerpiece. This this team is built like a Duke, built like a Kentucky. They do kind of fill it out better with the transfers, but this is this is truly built like a one and done team with with Smith, Black, and Walsh, who I think at least two of will be first round picks next year. So I. I think again, I think I am lower than Arkansas, lower on Arkansas than 
than most people. And it's funny because you were talking about how the Tennessee staff was like, wait, wh- why don't we get any sympathy, any, any sympathy for losing our starting four man uh, for, for, the, for the second half of the year? And you know, I was saying to that because the media picks and chooses when to apply what is this, a political the injury asterisk, right? This is like a political podcast. We're just blaming the media for everything. Of course I'm blaming the media. We are the media. It's great. I am not the media. You are the media. <laughs> I am not. Um, We're producing media as we speak. No, this is the, the, this is just two friends droning on about the about the four man the, the four headed monster at center for Arkansas. Um, Fine. Continue on. Continue. Your, right. Your so the, the the media decides who gets sympathy and 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 who doesn't for injuries. We went through all the asterisks last year uh, ad nauseum. Thing I've noticed this year, too, the media has chosen which transfer-heavy teams are going to struggle with chemistry and which ones aren't. Or, or, or newcomer-laden teams. I mean, every team has so many transfers, so many newcomers. And we're just picking and choosing who's going to struggle with chemistry, who's not going to struggle with chemistry. And Arkansas has been chosen as a team that will not struggle with chemistry. Okay, so even though the past couple of years they've had some rocky starts, especially last year that they lost to Hofstra, right? We, we were kind of ragging on Musk for back a, we get Elite Eights, Brad. Right, we, we were ragging on them for a soft non-con, and then it turned out that that's exactly what they needed yeah. to kind of gel together. I think at the end of the day, like I trust Musk as much as any coach in the country that by February first his team is going to figure it out. Whether it's tweaking the rotation, obviously, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, obviously the big shift was Van over to Jalen Williams, the five. Um, last year, it seemed like, um, you know, one of the things that they really did was was start, you know, really leaning on Trey Wade, who became a really critical piece, um, and going more to the note isolation ball. But like, there's not one identity to an Arkansas basketball team under Moss or to a Moss team in general, Dave Max Nevada, but the one kind of common thread is that he's been willing to adapt and willing to shift as, as the season rolls on. And I think that's valuable. And I think like, I think the pieces here, right. You have a combo guard and Nick Smith. You've got Anthony black, who uh, I talked to one guy kind of in the draft world. who thinks that Anthony Black's kind of got like some Kyle Anderson in his game. It's not a bad comparison. Uh, you've got rookie council. Who's, you know, easy plug and play. Um, the upside with the Walshes and the Brazils of the world. I mean, I think I think this team is the top, you know, five to ten team in the sport. I, I have them seventh nationally. I think well, they see, won the national championship. This is kind of kind of what I was talking about, right? With the okay, we just we just trust Mush to to meld the pieces together. I, I mean, we used to say that about Dana Altman. We've said that about any number of guys who. Most of the time, guys leave, the new guys come in, and they get breakouts. You know, th- things work out. You know, Tony Bennett, Tom Izzo, you know, all all these guys get the stamp of approval. But as, as we saw last year with Oregon, right, there are times where the pieces don't gel. And I think that this this Arkansas team we we touched on earlier. We think that okay, they got these elite freshmen, and then they didn't get elite transfers in order to kind of potentially appease or fit in with the elite freshman. And now we know Nick Smith's going to be great. 
Anthony Black is going to be very good, but he's more of a glue guy. Yes. I, I don't think he's the scorer that Kyle Anderson was at this level. I think he's a terrific glue guy, maybe even better than yeah. Josiah James at, you know, or Isaac Likely is being like one of these great glue guys in the sport. Um, but like Ricky Council, like he was, I I know some people see him as like a sneaky NBA prospect, but like he wasn't that good at Wichita State. The stats love him, and so, I'm sure that, that that's so part of the reason why Musk grabbed him. Can I can I can I cut in here? Yes. I just, I, I just I guess I'm curious, and maybe you're getting there. Um. Like, what is it about this group that you think might not fit together, that might not work? Other than just, like, well, we can have skepticism about that generally with teams. Is there something that you're looking at and saying, oh, you know, maybe this, maybe these centers don't fit in, or maybe, you know, they're relying too much on these unproven forwards with Brazil and Wallace. Maybe they don't have a true point guard. It's really two kind of combos. Like, which, is, which is the thing that's holding you back, I guess is my question. Right. So one, I think I'm lower on Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh, and and and, and Ricky Council. I think I'm lower than those on those three guys than okay. than everyone else. Two, I mean there there are so many new pieces. Like the only returner in the rotation is Devo Davis, right? Yes. Kamani Johnson a little bit, and, and I read an article today that said it's it's a four man yeah. race at center between Kamani. The Mitchells and Graham and Kamani's in the lead right now, but we still have a long way to go and whatnot. Um, but if Jalen Graham, like they they need Jalen Graham and at least one Mitchell to be like a good solid piece. I mean, all of them are solid, proven solid pieces, though to a certain extent. Yeah. So so we have that 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 I'm lower than those three. The sheer number of new newcomers and youth right with the best players on this team are going to be freshman sophomores i'm riding the must bus i'm sorry i'm riding the must bus hate me don't hate me uh 15 to 1 over at bovada the national title yeah i am 13th nationally all right then away we go off through arkansas we were averaging a, a crisp like 10 minutes per team, which is bad for the hopes of people who want to listen to this podcast in less than two hours. So let's uh, kick it a little bit into overdrive here as we head into the middle tier of last year's conference. Five teams tied at nine and nine. So we kind of pick our order. I'm just going to go based on Ken Palm's order, uh, which means we start with LSU, 22 and 12. And I don't know that it even makes sense to recap what the guys did last year because none of them are back. I mean, the whole team except for Milwaukee Wilkinson and Justice Williams are gone. Um, because Will Wade got fired, and as Andrew Slater once uh, astutely put it, the faucet was uh, was shut off. Briefly, but, yeah. We 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 should give credit because I think both of us agreed that this thing could get ugly for Matt McMahon with the challenges that he had to deal with and putting together his roster and you know his experience being so much at the mid major level. He did a really nice job. Hired a good staff, Ronnie Hamilton and Cody Toppert in particular, two guys who are proven recruiters at this level uh, who have helped him helped him get players. Obviously, also brought Casey Wong along uh, and Tim Kane from Murray State, who are uh, well-regarded assistant coaches. But the combination here of the guys following from Murray with Justice Hill, um, with K.J. Williams and uh, Trey Hannibal, the high-major talent with – 
you know, Adam Miller, um, Wilkinson, Cam Hayes, who comes in from NC State, uh, Justice Williams, uh, a really high-level freshman in Tyrell Ward. Um, and then some, some balance, I think. We talked about this before, Brad. The balance of this roster for the long term is really nice. I think this team has a chance to play in the NCAA tournament this year, assuming no postseason ban. But I think the challenge when you get into a spot where you have so many spots is you either go super, super freshman heavy or you go super, super old guys, and then you have to flip the roster again. This was built remarkably sustainable in year one for Ryan Dan. I think the top line view of this roster, I think you have to feel really good about the job they did this offseason in that view. Absolutely. I I think the one thing you could I mean they they added, I think, eleven guys who you could make a case to oh. be in the rotation. Well Brad, doesn't that mean that we have to really cash question their chemistry? How they'll fit together? Yeah. We absolutely do. I think. Okay, so I I, I have Arkansas 13th. I have LSU. Let me pull it up. I believe 39, uh, uh, 38. Um, so Arkansas way way higher than than LSU because I I, I think Nick Smith. I th- and the, talent, um, really, the talent's a different team. Yeah, Trevon Brazil. I I think they're. More more talented than LSU's best guys, right? I, I think if if you're saying who's the best player on LSU, it's it's a tough question, and it might be Adam Miller coming off a major injury. It might be KJ Williams making the jump from Murray State, you know, from mid-major basketball. They they have a lot of good players. Um, you know, I I would be fine with Adam Miller, KJ Williams, Tyrell Ward, you know, being your Fourth best player, third best player. Um, they they have a lot of those guys, a lot of nice role players, and kind of tertiary best players, right? But do they have enough high end talent? I think that they have just enough to to make the tournament. Um, but I I don't see them anywhere close to, to being like a top twenty five team right now. Yeah, I, I'm forty fifth nationally. I think I think that's the right the right level that bubbly group. And I think again that's a huge win. If, if they're able to pull that off. Um, Williams, I think, is going to be critical. Um, they've got a lot of options. They could play a little bit bigger with Kendall Coleman, the kid they brought in from Northwestern State. He was one of those guys. I know we talked about how Norchad Omir had his issues uh, moving up in competition. Uh, Coleman was the guy who was targeted by a lot of high major coaches specifically because how good he was in some of those up games in Northwestern State as a very low-budget program. Did play a good number of bye games and He's out there, including, I believe, against LSU under Will Wade and put up some real numbers. So uh, he's a guy who contribute. Um, Adam Miller, I mean, we talked about this with like, the Dawson Garcia thing. Like, if, if Adam Miller was coming in based off of what he did at Illinois last year, he was the top 10 transfer in the country, top 15 transfer in the country. Like, the upside here is pretty immense. Um, I know he was really more, more of just a shooter for Illinois, but... That was relatively rolled upon. We knew this. We know this guy can score. That's his whole track record as a recruit, as a high school player, um, and he averaged eight points a game on a number one seed. I mean, this guy has the upside to be that 14, 15 point a game guy. And I think really impact things highly for the LSU team. I think for this team to get to the NCAA tournament, they need that 15 points a game for Adam Miller, and then Tyrell Ward, like you mentioned. Ward is a, a really nice piece, um, big, long wing, who I think will be a potential NBA prospect. 
Uh, I know there were there were some comparisons to Najee Marshall, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, yeah. the beer thing. Uh, and I, I love that archetype. So give me all the uh, Tyrell Ward stock if you get if you get if you, if we get some Najee Marshall energy there. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming because that that Xavier class of Desmond Claude, Cam Craft, and and Tyrell Ward, their playing types are like eerily similar to Paul Scruggs, Najee Marshall, and uh, uh, JP McCura. There you go. Um, anything else on that last year? I mean, like, yeah, I, 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 I want to throw out um, Justice Williams was a former top 50 recruit. He reclassed up last year. Yes. Um, so, so certainly one to watch. Trey Hannibal's played in the SEC before at South Carolina. I think he should be a solid eighth man type of guy. Good defender. Big physical, built like a linebacker. Absolutely. Um, can probably maybe even play one through three. For this team. Um, Mawani Wilkinson was a great defender, started last year. I I presume he starts again at the four this year. Uh, And they have a real wild card. And Derek Fountain um, was previously at Mississippi State. This like long, athletic, 6'9", shot-making forward who so far has been all talent and no production. I'm waiting, uh, he, I'm waiting on the USA basketball mention here. There it is. He made he, he made a cut at the Ooh. USA U19 team. I do I know you year. well or do I know you well? Hey, I I, I didn't get, get to mention that uh, Jordan Walsh did not make the UAT team. So um, that's a that's an interesting wrinkle because you know coming into the tryout, I was like, oh, given how everyone talks about Jordan Walsh, this guy's a lock. Um, and then now maybe he dropped out or something. I don't know, but. Interesting, nonetheless. Let's move on. Alabama, um, uneven year, really missed Herb Jones. I think um, one of the things that with them, they, they still won 19 games, still went to the NCAA tournament, but you know, beat Baylor had, had had a lot of highs, but you know, too many lows. And I think one of the things that was really the where where I came down with Bama was they really missed the steady hand and decision making from Herb Jones. It hurt them, obviously, defensively, but I thought that some of the decision-making and the effort, it just was so up and down with them. They were so hot and cold. And how do they get that back this year? Because what made them so special when they won the SEC was they were just pedal to the metal all the time, but they were smart about it. And I think, you know, that's going to be very, very tricky to balance. But the recruiting operation that Nate Oates and his staff and Brian Hodgson and those guys have put together is really, really special. Um, portal names like Mark Sears and Dom Welch coming in this year. Also freshman Brandon Miller, really, really excited about him. Jaden Bradley, um, that's a big name. Uh, it sounds like they're also very, very excited about um, Noah Clowney, the freshman who I had kind of penciled in is out of the rotation, but it sounds like he's in the mix to start at center, um, which would be a – a new uh, or an interesting wrinkle, certainly, for, for this Bama club. They bring back Betty Yako at that spot. Uh, you've got the roll to the dice with Namari Burnett coming off that injury. Javon Clearly, it sounds like the target for him is, uh, you know, a little a little ways into the season. But an all all league level guy. I mean, there's an embarrassment of riches here. How do you think it? How do you think it all fits together? How do you think NATO navigates this roster? And who do you think emerges um, for this team outside of you know that backcourt with guys like Sears and Clearly? So I have Alabama second in the SEC, 12th overall, just Ooh, a tad ahead of Arkansas. Wow. 
Wow. Now, I, I really like this, this mix here. Brandon Miller, by all accounts, has been awesome and is like a potential first-round pick. Add, adding some shot-making, some versatility, probably playing the four, you'd think. Yes. He's also one of those guys who's old for his class. Which is, I guess, bad for his NBA prospects, but great, it's one of the, great for it's college one of the reasons why, Right. It's one of those reasons that people would explain away why he's so good. Is that, oh, he's 19 already. Right. Which, you know, whatever. But that helps Alabama, right, that he's not an immature 18-year-old. Like, you know, he's, he's a little bit older. He's a little bit more physically mature. I think those things help. But continue. Sorry. And then you look at the rest of this front court. I mean, Noah Gurley was seen as, like, a, a huge get last year. He had a, a solid season. Having a guy like that coming off the bench potentially this year um, can, can hit some shots, can play both, both, both front court spots. And remember, then, when, remember when John Rothstein tweeted that um, Brandon Miller was the best, could be the best forward Alabama's had since Herb Jones? Yeah. Which is which just is true. Yeah. Which was just huge. Noah Gurley slander. <laughs> this is basically all he's saying. He, you know, he, he's better than Noah Gurley. Who was their four? Oh, uh, Juwan Gary was their four man last Gary, year. Gary, right? yeah. Gary. Um, but, and then Ben Diaco, former five star, we talked a ton last year about how he was used more raw than we thought but i mean still put up like seven five and like a block or something um interesting to see him coming he, into year he two minutes better than i thought he would be able to what was that i said he eight minutes better than i thought he'd be able to yeah he held up fine as a freshman starting center and then Clowney's like a big big athletic guy um i mean that's that's a strong four-man front court not 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 uh, not as good as auburn's or Kentucky's, but 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 it, it uh, should be good. And then you turn to the backcourt. It, it is a little, a little newcomer heavy, um, but Mark Sears was terrific at uh, Ohio and in high school. You know, people said when he went to Ohio that was a steal. Um, I expect him to. Soriano. Yeah, expect him to be one of the best um, best transfers and best transfer point guards in the country. Dom Welsh. Adding that much-needed floor spacing, he's played a ton of minutes. He, he's he's hit shots for good Bonnie's teams, and the rest of this backcourt. I mean, Bearsman Bear's Riches got two top 50 recruits. You got Burnett coming off an injury, and then Darius Miles been, been in the rotation. So, in terms of top-end talent with Miller and Sears, I think you have that. I think you have the shooting with guys like Welch. You have some nice wild cards with like Burnett and Bediaco. Uh, deep team could go like nine, ten deep, and, and that's not even counting Quinterly, who, who we'll see when when he comes back and how he mixes in here. Uh, but I think that there's there's a ton to like here at Alabama. Defense should be good, at least solid. I think there's I think there's certainly some intrigue to sprinkle uh, fifty to one over at Bovada to win the national title. That that feels like one that you might be interested in, Brad. Well, I mean. They're not in my top tier, so I think I probably. Yeah, but you're in 12th national. You get that at a 50 to 1 price. It's pretty solid. I have, have to take take a deep dive into all the odds, but I feel like the one for me might be UCLA. You do love UCLA. Um, yeah, I, I guess my concern is how do Sears and Quinterly kind of coexist, especially once they come back? How do the roles allocate there? I think that's worth watching. 
Um, and then, you know, how truly good is Brandon Miller? Are we talking about this guy being a top 100 player and an all-SEC guy? Does he take that? Can he be the best player on this team? If he is, this team has a chance to be really, really good, and I'm excited to see him. So, I mean, that's why I have him. Mark Sears played with um, Jason Preston, right, in the backcourt? Yes. And, and now Preston's better much, than Quinn. I mean, he played on and off. Yeah. Sorry, what do you have? I'm 20, 21st. Yeah, so we basically 21st. have Alabama and Tennessee flopped. Yeah. All right, next up, A&M, 27-13 a season ago, which uh, that's a lot of games. MIT, uh, finalists, lost the Xavier by one. That's a, uh, I mean, that, that, that was a great run. And a team that was left for dead, they started 4-8 in the league, um, you know, truly had no shot in mid-February. Lost eight games in a row, lost to Vanderbilt in late February, and then turned it on one four straight to close out the regular season, including a road win at Bama. Then went all the way to the SEC championship game. I think had a very strong case to be, um, Indian subway tournament did not get in. Conference tournament games don't count. Conference tournament games do not count. The uh, they were asleep at the wheel. Absolutely asleep at the wheel. But um, this was an important year. They needed to show some signs under both. It had been so underwhelming, and I, I think that they did enough that you feel okay about the long term trajectory. But this roster is really weird. Really interesting. Um, they did hit the portal pretty hard and got role players. Dexter Dennis from Wichita State, 3&D, Julius Marble, a big you could throw it to on the block, Michigan State. K.K. Robinson didn't really play at um, Arkansas, but we both really liked him coming out of high school. Um, they also added Anderson Garcia from Mississippi State and, and some other pieces as well. I mean, this, this team – has a nice mix of returners with Wade Taylor, who really was a key to them down the stretch. Um, but Wade, uh, Tyrese Radford back, obviously a great piece. Manny Obaseki, big physical guy. Uh, Henry Coleman back, great small ball five. Um, just curious how it all kind of pieces together and whether last season's late run was more mirage or truth. So this is, this is an interesting group. I mean – you went through the additions. I mean, they made some, some kind of weird additions. Like, Julius Marble would have been the starting center at Michigan State. He's a good player. So now, do he and Henry Coleman start together? I mean, they have so many at, at, athletic wings, you figure just how the lineup looks, that you, that you were going to play Dexter Dennis at the four, another Big physical, versatile guy. Dennis at one point looked like he had like an NBA future, and then he really crashed down to earth at at, at Wichita. Um, you mentioned Obaseki was a borderline five-star recruit, didn't do a ton last year, just kind of got got his feet wet. I, I think if you're really buying Texas A&M, I think I've seen them as like a top 25 team. I think you probably have Obaseki as like a double-figure scorer, like a serious starter. And then you have Tyrese Radford, the you know known to be the world's smallest power forward. Um, he averaged double figures last year. He's a really good player, and he makes yeah. threes now, which is a huge deal. Which yeah, which he, he did not do it at Vatek, and you, you can play him up 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 the lineup more now. 
Wade Taylor had had a good year last year as a freshman, so they have they have a lot of nice pieces. A lot of guys who are just solid players. I I worry about their overall talent level. Um, it's a good team. They're, they're they're a bubble team for me. I mean, they have like legit 15 scholarship guys in their roster. It looks like they should have like a nice nine man rotation. Uh, Hayden Hefner came on late last year. Andre Gordon's played a ton for them. So I I I, I like this team. I'm a little worried about their high end talent. Um, I have yeah, them. Their best player probably needs to be Wade Taylor. I think. Between Taylor Coleman and Dan, Dexter Dennis is your best player. You're not a tournament team. But all, I mean, Radford averaged double figures last year. Radford honestly is Radford's your best player. If Dexter Dennis is your best player, let's put it that way. No, Coleman had a great year last year too. Dexter Dennis cannot be as good of a uh, of a glue guy as Tyrus Radford. I mean they. They have a lot of good players. They have like eight starting caliber players. Uh, but but it's going to be a question on their high-end talent. I have them 43rd nationally. I have them 38th. So I think we're pretty much in agreement here. Yeah, same same tier for me. Yeah. Yeah. Next up. I, will, I actually want to say this before we move on because there have been a couple of teams where I felt this. There are so few holes throughout this league. And this is the best league in college basketball. Hands down. I don't know if it is or not, but this league has done the best job of addressing the question marks. And we've talked about this so many times. You know, some teams are just truly embracing the, okay, if there's any, like, remote question marks, we're just hitting the portal, we're filling the spot, we're backfilling, we're not leaving We're not leaving a chance, we're not rolling the dice on these, you know, outside of the top 100 freshmen, whatever. And it is very noticeable going through this conference compared to the other leagues that we've done, uh, including all the other high majors, how much more certainty, how many more proven guys. There are no gaping holes on any of these really top top half team rosters. We'll get to some as we work our way down. But even them, they've at least made an effort right, to fill these spots and to fill them with transfers and guys that are more proven. How it all fits together, we'll see. But, I mean, if it feels like we're saying, eh, we'll see how it all meshes a lot on this podcast, not because we don't have opinions, it's because – a lot of these teams have not matched. I mean, these are these are new look groups that have been built together with the really sole sole focus being to put together a group that uh, you know makes sense roster wise. And I just think that's worth noting. You know, maybe we're kind of underselling Texas A&M because six of their yeah, potential top eight were on the team last year. They're more run it back, yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, let's go to Florida. 59th in Kenton last year. Never really got off the ground with a unique roster that was a lot of transfers from mid-majors around Colin Castleton. Mike White takes the soft landing at Georgia. The parachute, Brad, you love it. The parachute has made its return in college basketball. I was always advocating for the parachute. And you say, these yeah. guys aren't going to want to up, uproot their families. And then maybe it was a little social media pressure dialing up to 11 or message board pressure or at at the gas station, people yelling at them. Who, who knows why, but the uh, parachute is, is alive and well. Shaka, yeah, Shaka, Shaka started the trend, and uh, Mike White continued it. But they bring in a coach that I'm certainly very high on, Brad, Todd Golden. Uh, I know you're 
you're a Todd Golden believer, correct? Uh, not as enthusiastically as most of the real college basketball writers. I'm a little more... That's because real college basketball writers know Todd Golden. Right, because they invited you guys on his plane and whatnot. I haven't been on the plane. Let's calm down here. Um, I'm not on the PGA. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think that this is going to be a, a very good, a top 25 Florida team. Yeah. I'm just not quite ready to anoint Todd Golden. Well, getting to the top 25 in year one would be a nice step. Absolutely. And getting an at-large bid at San Francisco is a hell of a thing. You, you don't have to sell me. Fair enough. All right. Um, what to like here? Uh, Castleton back. Great player. You know, quote unquote, you're the big in college basketball. Um, I think he gets overlooked among his counterparts. He's really, really good. He blocks shots. He's got some skill. Um, we'll never forget that he was benched for Austin Davis, uh, <laughs> which just remains one of those wild. Austin things. Davis didn't even use his COVID year. I know. <laughs> he was someone who could have gone to like they were saying like the Penn State and been like a eight and eight guy. Yeah. Austin was done. Anyway. Castleton, great player. But I think what, what excites you about this group is that the it, it, are some of these wings, particularly Will Richard uh, and Kawasi Reeves. Reeves had a really nice freshman season, uh, showed some flashes. He's huge. He's like six foot eight, super long, super athletic as a guy that has clear NBA potential, NBA upside. Um, and, and Richard was an NBA kind of draft Twitter darling after his first year at Belmont, three and D all day, but also has a little bit of playmaking pop to him. They do need more from Myrian Jones than they got last year, but there's history there. I mean, well, we, we both remember, Brad, how good Myrian Jones was at Penn State. As a Out of sophomore. nowhere, yeah. Yes, had a great year, struggled last year. If you get eight, you know, 90% of Penn State Myrian Jones, this team's two through four is really, really good. And then a steady point guard in Kyle Lofton. I, I will say this. I think Kyle Lofton is getting overrated slightly nationally because Kyle Lofton is not a great offensive player. He's a great leader. High-level intangibles, really good defender, um, you know everything. The, the consummate floor general, you know whichever you know superlative you know aver, you know comment you always hear, it, it, it applies to Kyle Lofton. But this is a guy who also has you know really struggled shooting the ball at times in his collegiate career, um, has been inconsistent on the end of the floor. Is a guy that yes you look to in late-game situations to make plays, but is not like a high-usage ball screen extraordinaire. And it's going to be a different look than Jamari Bouillon. He's just not that kind of guy for Todd Golden in this offense. They're going to be more reliant on Castleton. They're going to be more reliant on Richard and Reeves than they were in the playmaking guard like they were able to do really his whole tenure under Jamari Bouillon. So I think that's a concern. But, uh, look, I mean, this team's talented. Alex Fudge is a great roll of the dice. C.J. Felder shouldn't forget about him. They want to find a way to use Jatobo at the five. Who, you know, that, I do think there's always a role for you know, the big pudgy center for like that 10 to 15 minute change of pace. Uh, so I'll always roll the dice there. You got Niles Lane and Trey Bonham as potential backup guards. A lot to like here. So you, you, you said uh, Alex Fudge is a roll of the dice. I, I think he's a pretty sure thing because of how he defends. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. He, he, he's like an NBA caliber switchable wing defender. Um, do you have him starting at the four? I have Kwasi Reeves starting at the four. Oh. But Fudge could do that, certainly. 
Castleton's a top 20 player in the sport. You mentioned he is certainly being overlooked. Him, Adama Sinogo, as well as another one of those kind of old school bigs. As well as Tabellis, who's more of a four, uh, uh, but another guy who's being overlooked. Uh, but, I mean, he, he can legitimately be, be your best player. He made serious strides. You know, he can block shots. He can, he can score around the rim. He can step out a little bit. Um, you're, you're in great shape there. You mentioned Kyle Lofton's overrated. Um, I had him just outside my top 100 players. Do you think I'm overrating him? Hmm, I don't think necessarily. He's the starting point guard in the French top 25 team. He started on NCAA tournament team. I guess my point is, I think there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, he was a starter at St. Bonaventure. He put up numbers. He's a good, you know, he's an A-10, yeah, A-10 moving up, and Golden's great with guards, but he's going to be really good offensively. I, I, I just think, like, that's not reality if you've watched Kyle Lofton play the last four years. Could he have a good year? But, like, I, I would not... I, like if you set the over under at ten and a half points per game for Kyle Lofton, I would think I would bet the under. Oh, interesting. And then we mentioned this earlier on on a previous show, but that Bonnie's team last year sent a starting point guard to Florida, yeah. starting two guard to Alabama, yeah. starting three man to Iowa State, mm-hmm. starting four man to the San Antonio Spurs Exhibit Ten training camp, yeah. and then starting five man to Iowa State. And that team wasn't Jalen Adelaide was also three on three USA basketball the other day, which I think oh. he'd thrive in. I saw the Fran Fraschilla tweet. Shout See, out I, w- I was a great intramural three on three basketball player in my day. Oh boy. The uh, thing that people don't realize about it is posting up is huge because you have so much, so space. much space. I remember in the three on three tournament, the final four, like the first or second year it happened, Yante Maiton was just a monster. Yeah, because you can't he, bring help. Yeah, you can't help. It's one and on one and no one can dig can down. pick and pop occasionally. You can just rub it and hit the three. Yeah. What's Yante Maiden up to these days? That, he had a cup of coffee with, with Miami Heat. He's a good he, he was always a great player. I love Yante Maiden, one of my favorite college players. Played the he four on those Mark Fox Georgia teams. He plays for Hapoel Tel Aviv in Israel. That's back back league. to Florida. Um, yeah, sorry. P- people love Will Richard as like a fringe NBA prospect. Yes. He's someone I definitely want to put eyes on more this year. You mentioned Myron Jones shot the ball extremely well on like analytically excellent Penn state teams, right? Yeah. Um, with, with Pat Chambers. So I, I, I like the loft and Jones, Richard fit one through three. And then the guys who either you have at the four coming off the bench. I mean, Kovacu Reeves was a top 50 recruit. Riley Kugel is a top 50 recruit. You mentioned you like Bonham as a backup point guard. Felder was good in the ACC as an athletic kind of four five you know, four slash small ball five. We mentioned Fudge, excellent defender. Niles Lane can really defend. So this not team a lot is of deep. dead weight here. Yeah, not a lot of dead no, weight. not at all. I mean that, that, that's a strong top eleven. Two, two of those guys are going to be uh, kind of screwed, but I I think they the, they no, have the top was, end talent quite, level. That was also quite the dig at Denzel Aberdeen. Who I've never seen play and have no idea about, and, but we're like yeah, the top eleven. There's a twelve scholarship. This is a thirteenth. Who's the thirteenth? Alexander Smizic. How the hell do I not know about this? I I think both Aberdeen and Smizic have red shirt written all over. Um, okay. but yeah, probably like Niles Lane and 
Chitobo are probably kind of screwed, but um, yeah, they have they have a, they they have good t- top end talent with Castleton. I think Lofton and or Richard are are nice second and third best players. Jones giving you the shooting on the wing. Fudge as an excellent defender and then a, a strong bench. I think Florida's a top twenty five team. I agree. I have I have them twenty seventh, so we're splitting hairs here. I'm twenty one. Just one one spot ahead of Tennessee. Cool. All right, on to South Carolina, who won nine league games last year. That's 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 a Frank Martin special. Oh yeah. He yeah. he's gonna win so many conference games at at UMass. He's going to go like He's going to go like 13 and 5 and UMass fans are going to be like, "Wait, so are we going to the tournament?" Like, "No, remember you lost those three non-league games?" <laughs> All right, anyway, uh, I think a relatively talented roster and you can see that with where the guys who've left that South Carolina team from a season ago have landed. Keyshawn Bryant is at South Florida, Jermaine Cousinard at Oregon, Devin Carter at Providence, Eric Stevenson at West Virginia. I mean, this roster was one of those that was just rated for high major players. And Wilden Slovak would certainly have been high major had he not tried to follow his coach to UMass, which he did, I guess, successfully. I don't know why I said he tried um, because he did, in fact, follow said coach. Um, but in comes Lamont Paris. And I think we both agree, Brad, that the portaling done here was substandard, not up to the level necessary. Um, and I think clearly a downgrade in overall talent uh, from where they were a season ago. But on the other hand, they were able to bring in the late summer surprise, Gigi Jackson, uh, who reclassifies up, was potentially the top top recruit in the 2023 class. But as we've spoken about on this podcast over the summer, concerns about how he fits into winning basketball as a freshman. And we've seen already in the past, Anthony Edwards being the big example, you can't just throw a one and done on to a team that's not necessarily built win around it and think it'll just go smoothly. And I think Gigi is almost in worse position than Edward because he's not a primary ball handler, but he plays like he really wants to be. I mean, he's a guy who wants to show he's got you know some shake and some wiggle with the ball in his hands, wants to prove that he can hit jump shots. And it's great that he's 6'10", six 6'11", six has the ability to hit a step-back jump shot, has the ability to play off the bounce a little bit, has the ability to go 94 feet. But at the same time, you have to worry about that in the context of trying to win in the SEC, right? Like, Gigi Jackson's 18 years old. He's not going to be flying up and down the floor, going one on five, you know, playing one on five, because he's not Kevin Durant, right? He's like the 10th best prospect in the 2020, uh, 2023 draft. So when you're surrounding him with Michi Johnson, Chico Carter, Hayden Brown, and Benjamin Boston's Verdonk, I think this team is probably, you know, probably the worst team in the league. I had them one over Vanderbilt. I have them two, 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 two behind Vanderbilt. So, so I guess we'll start with Gigi Jackson. And, and you know, in terms of the one and dones who teams whose team were not very good. I mean, all those Washington teams with Dejounte Murray, Markel, Markel Fultz, Marquise Chris, you had Ben Simmons. I mean. Every year, they're, they're one and done. That Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart. Um, Jaden McDaniel was, was on that team as well. Um, every year, there are one and done who don't elevate their team, especially bigs, because you mentioned bigs don't, don't have the ball in their hand. They're generally more raw. They're generally more one and done prospects because of you know, flashes of skill. 
um, which is not great if you're gonna, fe- you know, feature a guy with flashes of a perimeter game. He's gonna go out and shoot 30% from three and you know 45% from field. Um, but Gigi Jackson really is, isn't the problem here, right? It's, it's really the rest of the roster. I think a lot of people, um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say liked, but acknowledged that Abrima Debo is going to be like a starter or like a good, a good reliable piece for them. He's out for the year. He was like a big wing playmaking guy who could play one through three. Um, we touched on before that one of their big transfer gets Hayden Brown would have been like perfect for like an A-10 four man. It looks like he's probably going to play the three here in the SEC. Um, Michi Johnson, great recruit, not a great shooter. And that's tough as a point guard. We, we didn't even mention Cam Hayes on, on LSU is kind of in the same boat. He's kind of, they're not huge, but they have good size. They're athletic. Um, but that's, that's, that's not enough without a really nice jumper these days. Uh, in, in in this era of basketball. And then they have a bunch of physical bigs, um, Josh Gray, Bosman's Verdonk, Trayvon Minot. You know, they're just big and bulky. I think Minot has some offensive skill. I think Verdonk is supposed to have some offensive skill. And then Gray is just like a supreme athlete with, with no offensive game. So they have one great player. Second best player as, me, as, as Michi Johnson is very scary. He couldn't even stick around at – at Ohio State, a um, little light on shooting too. There's just not much right here. I, I, I gave him a bump to uh, 99th nationally just because I needed the team. Um, I'm thinking about moving him back sub 100. Yeah, I, I'm 114. Um, I essentially, like the way I viewed it was, if each of these other four starters were the individual question mark for this team you could get by with it right if you said okay well this the center situation isn't great but you brought in you know Boston Verdonk who's at least played good minutes in the Big Ten been in the rotation you know, he, he, he can you know hold it hold it hold his own you say okay okay well you know they, they've got good spots one through four or two through five but the point guard spots a little bit of question mark but it's Beach Johnson or you played in Ohio State okay I can talk myself into it you know, they're a little bit thin at the at the at the wing spot. They're going to roll the dice on this kind of big physical glue guy and Hayden Hayden Brown. Okay, I, I can talk myself into it, right? The problem is you're going to talk yourself into all of them. Right, Michi right? Johnson, your second best player, averaged 4.4 points a game as a sophomore at, at Ohio State, and and that went on down team, on a team that was begging for point guard play, begging for someone to create shots, begging for someone to play with the ball. And that that was not a great OSU team. That was a Good, solid. I think they were, what, a seven seed? Seven seed, yep. Uh, and then in conference play, his numbers went down to 3.6 points a game. And now he, he was a a reclassified sophomore. So he's still young, but that that's your second best player? What do you... I'm, I'm curious what you think is the... Like, what do you gain from this year if you're South Carolina? Just, like, steal some – or not – like, like what, what, what do you hope to get out of the season? Steal some games with GG, build some buzz, and recruit? It's crazy how they couldn't have done more in the transfer portal with all they had to offer. You know, people can cry NIL all the way home, but 
not all these teams built their transfer class based on on NIL. So it's not this is not possible. I I think the goal always, right? Like Ken, Kenny Payne had a quote at ACC Media Day, or wherever the quote was from. Sorry, but we were like, this year isn't about wins and losses for for Louisville. In the transfer portal age, every year is about win and loss. There is no rebuilding. If you rebuild, your best player is going to transfer because they had a miserable year when you went 10 and 21. The goal has to be it was basically the, 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 the solution to, to tanking that, that, that the, the NBA would die for. Like S- South Carolina has to win as many games as possible to keep the vibes up, to keep players around, and to attract new transfers for next year. Fair enough. I think we're in agreement here. Let's move on then. There's nothing more to say about the South Carolina Gamecocks. Um, brings us to Mississippi State. New coach, Chris Jans. I think we both spoke about how we liked the Jans hire, that he was a guy who could kind of get stuff done, pure winner. Uh, obviously, one of them still was Jeremy came into Mexico State. The roster turns over. But a couple of returners in Shaquille Moore, DJ Jeffries, and Tolu Smith, who I think will be a strong nucleus in the end for this Mississippi State team under Jans in year one. See, I I wasn't as over the moon with the hire because, I mean, everyone wins at New, New Mexico State. I think he'll be he'll be good here. Jan, Jans, Jans wins in the trenches, though. You got to win in the trenches. To well, win. He, he did a, a great job rebuilding this roster. I mean, everyone knows I'm a huge Shaquille Moore guy. Oh, yeah. Great secondary ball handler. Really I, love, I, I love that. I love, I love everybody knows. It, it, it's, a, it's a widely known. It's widely Brad, known. Ever since Brad I was watching. The third best player at Mississippi State. I was watching. Uh, I think he was on Team CP3. It was him and, and Cam Hayes. They had no bigs. They were like 0-10. And, and Shaquille Moore is picking up full court. He's diving for loose balls. He'll fit. I think he'll fit Jans. And I think Deshaun Davis will fit Jans as well. But they did a great job in the portal. As as you mentioned in regards to LSU and, uh, and A&M, would they – they didn't take any chances. They went to the portal and got and got backups in the portal. Um, and Tolu Smith had a really underrated huge year last year. He, he's he's back at the five. This defense should be pretty good. I think the one question might be the shooting or it's like the overall talent level. I mean, Deshaun Davis had a good year on a dreadful Oregon State team, but I mean, he he was a great JUCO recruit as well. Um, a lot of these bench guys, they they should be solid, like a Jamel Horton. Eric Reed, but they came from mid-major programs. Um, Tyler Stevenson to a late add at the four spot from Southern Miss. Athleticism should be good. The defense should be solid. It's just, I think, the, the concerns are overall talent level and shot making. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just a lack of true like name brand talent on this team, but this team just screams NIT at you. Yes, I, I have everything about it. It's like, yep, that's going to go the idea. I was 61st. Like, I, I think they're fine. Like, they have two kind of scrappy guards. Like, they're one of those seasons, like, 
maybe it all comes together if they kind of find chemistry, steal a couple of games. Okay, great. You know, you know, Jance is a good coach. He you know, steals a few games for you. Cool. You know, fantastic. You go to the NCAA tournament, but like just on paper, you say, yeah, that's an NIT team, right? Like you give me that team, you give me the roster, tell me looking for five seconds. Yeah, NIT. No question. That's, that's 68 a, nationally for him. I'm 61, a little bit higher. Um, next up, I don't know that we want to spend that much more time in Stark Vegas. Vanderbilt, who we mentioned earlier, we are both kind of in on the last place Commodores bandwagon or second last place Commodore bandwagon. They were a little scrappier last year and made the NIT. I mean, that's that's no small feat given where this program has been, and it gave Jerry Stackhouse another year. They finished over 100. Um, it, it might even give him another year after this. I, I think he's probably on the hot seat. Uh, I think it's a good chance that he uh, does go down because I think they have a chance to be really bad. But, you know, Scotty Pippen willed this team into success. Scotty Pippen Jr. led the nation in fouls drawn for 40. He was as high usage as they come. More than Al Huh? Is it more than Al Durham? Maybe, no, not, not in free throw rate. Free throw rate was Al Durham oh, was one of the one of the, one of the highest. But um, in terms of fouls drawn per forty, Scotty Pippen was gotcha. number one. Uh, where was Al Durham? Devin Carter was eighteenth. There you go. Anyway, Al Durham was eighty fourth on that list. Huh. But anyway, anyway, Scotty Pippen, gone. He was elite, 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 one of the best guards in the country. They will miss him greatly because their replacement at the point guard spot on paper is UC Davis transfer Ezra Mannion, uh, undersized, kind of shifty point guard. Good player, but not a shooter, not a guy that I think you would have pegged necessarily as a high major priority. A guy I think you would have said, yeah, it's Mountain West. But that, you know, a slight move out, maybe the WCC. He goes to Vanderbilt. That's, I think, a big hole for this group because really two through five, there, there's things to like. They brought in some good recruits. Um, Liam Robbins is back at the five. Jordan Wright's a really nice player, could potentially contend for an all-league season. You know, I think he averaged like 12 or 13 a game last year. He could be a 14 to 16-point game guy this season. But it's going to have to be him and Robbins because uh, I don't think you're in nearly the help at point guard that you got a season ago. Yeah, losing that big-time shot maker, shot creator. They, they have a lot of role guys coming back, too. Uh, the reason why I'm putting them last, one, the point guard play, and two, I, I think I've given up on Liam, um, Liam Robbins. I, I loved him in Minnesota. That, that was an incredible run. Uh, almost single-handedly saving Richard Pitino's job. Uh, right, but you're, the, the, you're, the you're the world's foremost believer in Liam Robbins. But, but I have to throw in the towel. Too, too many injuries. I'm sorry. If he's healthy, I'll, I'll be the first one back watching him control the paint for Vanderbilt. But um, well, you're gonna watch him opening night when they play Memphis, right? Well, I don't know what what, what the TV situation is. Well, if you don't um, get the channel, at least I, at least last year I, I didn't get SEC Network. We'll see when I get the sports package again if it has SEC Network. But I saw the ESPNU games are Iowa and Illinois by games. The, the game that that, that, I would, that I would most want to watch would be Auburn-George Mason. That's another potential SEC Network game. Exactly. So. And the Big East is doing the whip around. So stupid. You can't... Eight games. We're going to whip around between eight games? 
I, I figured they'd put Villanova on Fox Sports 1 against LaSalle. And then FS2, they, they would whip around and I'd just watch Villanova. Uh, but it seems like they're, they're doing a full whip around. Great, great in theory, but you're going to just watch like three minutes at a time of each game at, at the whim of a Fox Sports producer? That would be a tricky job, producing this thing. But anyway, I don't think either of us think Vandy was very good. I'm 112, which I think as long as they're not embarrassingly bad, there's a chance that stack could stick. But it's uh, no lock. I mean, Patrick Ewing just stuck after going 0-20. Or yeah, 0-19. Patrick Ewing is a legend. Jerry Stackhouse called everyone who dislikes him racist. I mean, Jerry Stackhouse was a great NBA player, but not for Vanderbilt. So. Not for Vanderbilt, yes. Um, next up, we have, as we start to round the corner here in the uh, SEC, Missouri. Dennis Gates, new optimism, new excitement in Columbia. Um, I think we were we were both relatively down on where the roster movement was going, but they were one of those teams that held some scholarships and made some splashes down the stretch, namely Isaiah Mosley, uh, who joins the fray uh, from Missouri State, a top 75 team of its own, really high-level scorer, uh, and I think will probably be the leading scorer for this Missouri team. But I think you know, when you look at Mizzou, I think the one thing, a couple of things you, you say, number one is that Dennis Gates, who did a nice job at Cleveland State, flipped the roster, got him into championship contention, et cetera. The one thing you can criticize Dennis for is that he never had a top 150 team at Cleveland State. So how much of a jump is he really going to pull off with these guys? You can't just you can't just win in the SEC by recruit, out-recruiting everyone. Well, you might be able to recruit in the SEC by out-recruiting everyone, but you're not going to win in the SEC by out-recruiting everyone at Missouri, and you're certainly not going to do it in year one when you're recruiting Des Moines Hodge and Nick Honor and Noah Carter and Rondi and Shawnee's, right? Like that, I, I can say with a hundred percent certainty, is that you're not going to win like that. So, um, how exactly do you know? Do you win this year? I think you're going to do a lot of ISO with Mosley. You need solid point guard play from Nick Honor and Shawnee's. Kobe Brown is an underrated player, really solid. Um, but I, I, I just think this thing is missing some things. Um, outside of Mosley's scoring ability, and Mosley's not a great defender, but it's going to get over the hump. To me, this is an NIT team. I have my I think, 65th match. I think I'm a little lower, maybe even than I should be. I have I 76. I'm, I, I had Georgia one spot ahead of them. I think I'm really thinking about flipping that at least. I mean, Isaiah Mosley should be a top like 50 player on the sport, right? Doesn't guard anyone, but I don't know how much you care about that. I care quite a bit about that. Um, but like him and Kobe Brown, that should be a, a, a good top two. Diara was a great JUCO guy. Nick Honor was he, he was a good, solid ACC player. It's not gonna blow you away. A lot of people like Noah Carter, right, from from uh, Northern Iowa. I do not like Noah Carter as a high major player. Huh. Noah Carter was like a four five. Like skilled, like matchup prop because you could step away and shoot the ball, but he's not mobile enough to really guard threes in the SC. Might not even be able to mobile enough to guard fours. He's gonna give away his like he, he's slimmed down to like give away some of the strength edge, uh, like the physicality. Um, so he's just like a shooting forward. Yeah, whatever. And, and the, their their bench is, is okay at least. Um, 
Sean East was a good Juco guy. He had stops at Bradley and UMass, right? And then I mean, yeah, we also have two years of data points on Sean East saying he's a nine, like a nine, four, and three guy at a mid plus, right? Well, I think I think he's gonna be the backup to Honor, right? So maybe that's yeah, that's that's fine as a backup point guard, sure. I'm just saying, like, we, oh, well, I, I'm just saying you don't want to do the, like, oh, well, he's the number one Juco recruit in the country, number five Juco recruit, wherever he is. He he must be good because we really know what he is, which is, like, probably a back point. And then and you really like Hodge, right? It's like a glue guy. He can really score in bunches. And he's a great athlete. Aiden Shaw was a top 75 recruit. Did a couple holdovers from last year. The one thing you can very much credit Gates for is like this roster was in disrepair. We had talked a lot about Quanzo falling behind talent acquisition. He yes. flipped it quick and got this thing competitive right away. Yeah, they Whether should be competitive. Absolutely. The tournament, I don't think it is personally, but it wouldn't be stunning if it was. Right, they they at least have a chance. Yes, which is what uh, you all asked for. They asked for. I I think. Yeah, the the fits are, the fits are kind of weird, but Mo, Mosley could could be fine as a best player. It's just, I mean, they have a lot a lot of transfers, a, a lot of fit is needed. Do, do do they have enough shooting? Diara as as a center, how I mean, number one JUCO guy, right? Sh- should be good enough to be a good starting center in the SEC, but there's there's a lot of unknown here. I think their ceiling isn't that high, right? Like their ceiling is making the tournament, and and, and their floor is that all these pieces do, do, do not coalesce, and they're you know 12th in the SEC. But. All right, on to the next team, Ole Miss, 13 of 14 a season ago in this conference, and really that was the only um, hot seat spot in the SEC that did not break last season. Kermit Davis holds on for one more year. And a lot of people are very optimistic about this Ole Miss team. Me too. Buying this team as a as a potential NCAA tournament team. I am a little colder on them, and I have a few reasons why. I mean, they do bring in some nice pieces. Um, Theo Akuba from Louisiana Lafayette, Josh Impala from Buffalo, um, Javius McKinnis uh, from Jackson State. They bring in some young players, freshmen, uh, Amari Abram, uh, and IAL American Miles Bur- Miles Burns. You got a healthy year from Deshaun Ruffin. Um, I mean, a, a lot of pieces here, but I do think it's you know, I do think, and again, you're, we're gonna laugh about this thing. You know, the pieces together. Like, I think it's a really strangely constructed roster, and maybe I'm crazy, but I don't see the Deshaun Ruffin love that is kind of everywhere. A lot of people seem to really like Deshaun Ruffin. Deshaun Ruffin was like a 21% three-point shooter as undersized. Like, good player, but I don't think he transforms this team. I mean, he was such a good recruit, though, right? He, he, he was top 50, right? right? But, I mean, I'm not... Right, I'm not saying there's no upside. I'm just saying, like... I'm not we, I'm not 100% on, like, him fixing things. We saw Matthew Morrell take a huge jump last year. He did. He was somewhat another... Good player. Another top 50 recruit was known as a scorer. His career got started a little slower than most anticipated. He was forgotten about on a middle-bottom SEC team. Uh, but now he, he should be like a legitimate best player. James White, I guess, had a big summer. He was an, another guy known as a, st- a scorer coming out. A little lower rank. I think he was like top 150. Um, 
Jamin Brakefield from Duke can, you know, inside and out threat. And then you got all these like defensive minded centers to, to pair next to him. Um, couple other veterans off the bench. Ty, Ty Fagan's been around forever. Miles Burns is a ultimate flyer from, from NAIA. You got Robert Allen still. Um, so they have, I think that they have enough scoring. Uh, seems like Ruffin's a question mark for you for, for, for front court play, but I'm, I think I'm buying the recruiting rank there. And the front court should be good. I mean, both in terms of pedigree and production, I think that that's a good solid front court. Yeah, I, 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 I'm. Where, where, so where do you have them nationally? Is my question. Like, I know a lot of people are like pushing against the boys tournament. I might have them higher than anybody. I have them 39. Wow, this is our one of our biggest gaps. I have them 76. Ooh. I have them one spot behind LSU and one spot ahead of St. Louis. I, I see this team as like a bunch of mismatched centers who don't really know what they are. A question mark on the wing at, with Burns, with unknown quantity. Uh, a point guard you can't shoot, and a coach who has struggled the last couple of years to piece it together. Well, I, I I see it as they have multiple great defensive options in the front court. They have a yeah. a, ni- a nice. That's the hope. But I mean, they they have very much recruited to we need to be better defensively, and they and they they targeted those those pieces, those big, um, big defensive minded forwards who could block shots. That's a huge part of this thing, hundred percent. I mean. We know Brakefield is skilled. I don't have the stats in front of me. I I, I should pull him up, but I, I believe he was he was productive last year. He did not have the former Duke player explosion. He averaged seven and a half points and four rebounds. As a sophomore, I mean. Yeah, but but we think of the former Duke guys. We think of the Michael Se- Benjes. Semi Ojale, yeah. Semi Ojale, just you know Jordan Tucker, I guess never quite did that. Alex O'Connell never really either, but. Um, and then the backcourt, I, I think the difference is I'm buying Ruffin. You're selling Ruffin. I'm buying James White. Seems like you're more. I've never really seen James White play. So he he was a top 150. He was known as a scorer, like a wing scorer. And last year, he, let me pull up these stats again. I believe he didn't do anything last year. Um, James White. Did, did he not even play last year? I think he redshirted. That would be why. I cannot. Let's see. Black podcasting, but, baby. No, no, he played. For some reason, he didn't pop up on on uh, college basketball reference, but he averaged two two points a game last year. Um, but, but I'm buying the supposed could summer play. I'm buying the recruiting pedigree um, there on the wing. So. Fair enough. All right, that brings us to our final team, Georgia, 1-17, a complete wreck last year. They should be better this year. Mike White comes in. Again, for, for the criticism of the job he did at times in Florida, you have to say he's pretty high floor as a coach. He never sucked. Certainly won before at Louisiana Tech. Uh, and, and has a roster, I think, that is built to be much better. Um, brought, in, brought, brought back Cario Kendo in the backcourt, leading scorer from them a season ago. Um Gets Terry Roberts in from Bradley, a guy that I don't know that I was super, super high on in the portal, but was certainly recruited at a very high level um, by a number of big power programs uh, in, in the portal. 
Uh, and then they really went for athleticism up front. Guys like Matthew Alexander Moncrief, Frank Anselm. Um, they brought back, uh, or brought in Kyron Lindsay, who is, I believe, committed to UNLV. Um, yes. In his process. So, uh, a couple shooters off the bench Justin Hill from Longwood, Marjorie McBride from North Texas, Juswan Holt from Alabama. So, there, there are pieces here, you know. It doesn't Another do team with, with, like, no dead weight. Yes. Yes. Because even Lindsey, who, who's probably, you'd say, 11th man, I mean, he was a top 100 recruit. They, they are the opposite to they, – they've, they've turned this roster over so quickly in the spring that I think we both said at the time, like, eh, it may, like at the time we were like, well, Mike White's doing a nice job. And then we, like, took a step back after everyone did their move. Well, you know, maybe they should have waited and, like, swung, swung for the fences a little. Exactly. Every piece when it was added it was like, oh, that's that's a nice piece. Sure, that's yeah, nice piece. whatever. Go ahead. And then you, and then you look now and you're like, oh, they just added like a bunch of seventh men. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe so, they should have waited for the NIL to pick up. Right, because like Matthew Alexander Moncrief, Frank Anselm, Juice Wayne Holt, Martez McBride, Justin Hill, those five guys are all in a vacuum, a, a nice addition. Um, but it's when they're all on many. the same team. Yeah. You just added five seventh best players. And their center position isn't in great shape either with Braylon Bridges. He's fine, but he's not, you know, by any means is he like a huge difference maker. So and like Anselm's good, like he's a solid, like backup center, can can probably start for you as well. He blocked shots, never really got completely out of the doghouse at, at Syracuse. He was gonna in and out. I, I think maybe rebounding issues, but he's athletic. He can block shots. Alexander Moncrief, I think, has the best chance of of, of, of this group of making like a, a really nice impact. Um, big athletic forward, again, didn't wasn't fully unleashed at Oklahoma State, uh, but Georgia certainly needs him at, at, at this four spot. Um, Holt's a solid 3 and D guy. He was a top 100 recruit. McBride was on very good North Texas teams. He can really shoot it. Hill was on a solid Longwood team. He'll be a nice backup point guard. I know the three-man weave guys like Roberts a lot, but um, yeah, I, I currently have... And then Curry Oquendo's a good... Coach, coaches in the league in the Missouri Valley did not like Terry Roberts a lot. So Curry Oquendo's a, a solid best player. Probably want him more to be like your second best player, but think think you're fine there. Um, I have... I have Georgia 75, but I think I'm going to be moving them down a couple spots. I have them 89. I think I'm going to move them down from 75 to 79. All right. Well, that's the SEC. Um, big picture as always. Potential coaching changes. Ole Miss would be one to watch if this thing isn't overly competitive for the NCAA tournament. Um, I think the other hot seat-ish one would be Vanderbilt. It's probably the only other one that you would think. There's just been so much movement and turnover in this league uh, from a season ago. You don't, you know, you don't really think any of these guys at the top are going anywhere. I mean, Calipari. Is it crazy to say that John Calipari is the third most likely coach to be fired in this conference in the next year? Well, doesn't he have the wacky coach for life buyout? The one side. Okay, not fired, but like pushed out yeah. the door. How about that? Wait, they wouldn't build him a practice facility. I know. I'm saying he 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 should go and go to like St. John's or like Syracuse. He 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 should go to Syracuse. 
This is so preposterous. Why? They have the biggest fan base in the country. They would definitely build them a practice facility if you asked for it. <laughs> I don't know if Syracuse actually has a bigger fan base than Kentucky. Well, they have, they have the, because they play in the football stadium. Yes, correct. They could squeeze people. They're like halfway down the field. They're still paying, paying to come see. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like you literally cannot watch the game, and you're paying to not watch the game. Atmosphere, baby. It's all about atmosphere. Anyway, uh, not a lot of movement, I don't think, in this conference this coming year just because of what we've already seen. Um, not really any retirements. I mean, I don't think that Rick Barnes is close. So, I mean, we're this, this is a group we're stuck with. I think it could be the best league in the country. I know you said you, said you think it is. I, I don't know that I'm quite there. but I have nine tournament teams. I have. You probably have eight. eight. I have eight, yeah, because I have LSU 45, and that's my last team in the top 50. Because I have I have Ole Miss in, and you're selling Ole Miss, but yeah, I, yeah. I think this is, this is the best league in the country. Would you Would you board bet Ole Miss? Like, what's the, what's splitting in the middle between 39 and 76? How about tournament? I mean, that, I'll go that, tournament. That's good odds for for me. I'll take Absolutely. That. Sure. Board bet tournament. All right. That's oh, yeah. are, are, are we um we should void our Colorado State one, right? Where 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 do we have it? I think seventy five. Yeah, we should void that. Okay. I I think they have a chance still, but that's not a fair bet. So, that's the podcast, folks. Another SEC preview, another preview in the books, this one in the SEC. Go back through our feed if you're looking for the A ten, the American. Uh, the ACC, the Big Big East, the Big Ten, the Big 12, uh, the Pac-12, it's all there. we still got the Mountain West and WCC to get to, and then we'll get to our bets and all the other stuff to get ready for the season. We can't wait. Just so one more thing, too. Brad, go ahead. We, we, uh, we should have mentioned this at the top. Oh, boy. But the whole people on Twitter saying that it was a different Dior Johnson who got arrested. Oh, this, with, is, this was good. Yeah. With the same address, or, or the same... In the same city, the same birthday, and that city being Pittsburgh, you know, medium to small size city, right? Um, they say that it, it, was, it was even down to this because it was it was the same zip code in Oakland, you know, which is the where, <laughs> where the university is. There's a different Dior Johnson who did it. As I I, I texted you, I was like, supposedly this is a different Dior Johnson, but I'm like doing the the calculation in my head, like. This is like the most improbable thing I had ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, people were like, well, all the evidence suggests that it, this is Dior Johnson, but Pitt's SID texted someone that it's not. So right, like, the school said it's not. I was like, if you say so. Uh, that's, that's, that's the most ridiculous thing in college basketball since when Justin Lewis on Instagram Live said, I'm coming back to Marquette. And then people were like, Justin Lewis is coming back to Marquette. And he said, don't believe everything you hear. <laughs> Yes, that was so good. That was one of the best things ever. Don't believe everything we hear from you. <laughs> Don't believe everything you read. Oh, man. All right, folks. We'll see you next week, hopefully with more content like that.